Were you guys competitive with each other? It wasn't a word thing. We still are. Uh, like, I, I joke with this, but I'm so serious. We just had an air hockey tournament and fingers were getting, I mean, we were going at it. Like, we are very competitive. But I've always been a very <laughs> close air family. hockey. Air hockey? <laughs> you know. But we have a very competitive family that, like, everything we're doing, you know, it could be spades. It could be any type of card game, board game. We're, we're going at it. Mm. Now, is that, is that everybody, mom and dad included? Oh, yeah. Don't step to the table if you're not ready for the smoke, because you got you know, oh, trash talking. You might there might be some hurt feelings. There might be some alliances. You know, you never know what you're gonna get. But. That's what I was going to ask you. Are there hurt feelings, and has has anybody ever threatened to go to blows? Oh, there's definitely yes, yes, absolutely. Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. A.G., the woman joining us today, three-time All-American soccer player at LaSalle University, where she led the team to four, I ain't say one, I ain't say two, three, four NCAA tournament appearances. She received her master's in education. I mean, she, I mean, she went to one of them real schools, like a real, real school, mm. Lehigh University. You know, you, you got to know something to get up in there. She now works with ESPN as a reporter and analyst and is the founder of Planted Not Bury, an organization built to empower young athletes, students, and entrepreneurs. We'd like to welcome to the Hoop Dreams podcast, Ms. Renee Washington. I am Will Gates, and that's my dog. Arthur A.G., thanks, Renee, for joining the show. We really appreciate you. Oh, thank you guys. What a great introduction. I'm happy to be here. Let's do it. It's all, it's all true. I ain't make it up. It's all true. It's all true. <laughs> yeah. You did some digging. So yes, it is. We are so happy to have you on the show. One, because with everything that's going on in the world today, we obviously want to get your perspective on it. But truly, our show is about you, Renee Washington, your origin, your background. Um, so... Uh, we want to dive into your origin story. Tell us, uh, where did you grow up and what was your neighborhood like and what was it being a kid growing up? Yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey and um, played sports my entire life. A lot of people don't know that my background actually started as an athlete, as you guys have shared. Um, and so I played every sport. You know, my parents were athletes. My dad played pro ball overseas. So they actually got my siblings and I from a young age into sports and just allowed us to try and see what we enjoyed. And I was um, definitely, and my family is definitely, I should say, a basketball family. Like we are through and through basketball and football, but I was best at soccer. You know, I played basketball, I ran track, I, I tried every other sport, but soccer was my best sport. So um, I went that direction. I grew up in, in a central Jersey neighborhood where I grew up playing outside. I was playing with my older sisters. I was playing with neighbors. I was playing with boys, girls, older, younger, did not matter. I was always competing and playing and just having fun doing that. It wasn't always structured and planned and all that. It was literally just going outside and playing. And that's what really fed my athleticism as a whole, because I was the kid that was just like racing people or biking or whatever it was, just always doing yeah. something fun and, and um, getting outside. So I feel like because of that, it really helped me as I was just progressing through my career because I was 
internally motivated. It wasn't my parents saying, go outside and get better. Go out. You know, of course there were times to be like, look, Renee, you need to go work on this. Your first touch is off. Your shot is off, whatever. But for the most part, it was me. You know, I was the one that was really the driving force behind my career. Um, So I did get a chance to play some professionally. Um, I did get a chance to have a great college soccer career, as you shared. Um, But then came to that point of what's next. And, you know, where do I go from here? And my undergrad degree was actually in public relations. I wasn't even, I didn't even study sports broadcasting and all my internships were in that marketing, social media, um, all that types of work and just made a leap of faith that as I was coaching and getting my master's at a Lehigh, I was determined to make that transition into being a sports reporter and just started grinding, started doing anything I could, freelance writing, um, helping with the Lehigh Sports Media Department to shoot and edit and put together highlight, whatever it was I could do. I was just getting as much hands-on experience. And since then, I've been fortunate to work in every sport at either the professional or college level. I've done everything from sideline reporting to color and play-by-play to writing, radio work, TV, digital, and just learning and getting, you know, just being a sponge to take it all in. Um, so now being able to work uh, in, in all these different sports, I've loved it. I love the versatility. I love the excitement that comes with it. Um, but it's also only been six years since I made this first leap of faith into the broadcasting. So excited to see uh, how this continues to grow for sure. Well, Renee, when you say you come from an athletic family, give us give us the lowdown on that. How many brothers and sisters did, uh, who played what? Yeah. So there were four of us uh, for my siblings, my two older sisters and my younger brother. We all played basketball. We all played AAU. We all played travel. We all played uh, school ball. And then for soccer, uh, my brother actually did not play soccer, but my sisters and I played soccer and ran track. And so I played on like the club team for travel soccer, school team. I played on the state team, the regional team uh, that we have in soccer. And then um, my sisters both played college sports as well. So one played basketball, one played soccer. Um, My brother did not play in college, but did play all the way through high school. And then honestly, outside of that, even my extended family, like I have family that's played and ran track, played in the NFL, played in all different levels of a variety of different sports. So like we, when I talk sports family, I mean, like we rarely get together. First of all, sports are always on TV um, Mm -hmm. around my family. That was like growing up. That was our like dinner. Every, all of our family get togethers and stuff was like us sitting around the TV or going to games, going to Sixers games, going to see the Eagles play, whoever. um, And just always being around sports. And even if it's cards, board games, whatever, we are just always competitive and competing even to this day. Hey, Renee, give Hey Renee, give us this give us this term because I've always heard it from every East Coast girl. What's that Jersey girl mean? The Jersey girl? Yeah, I'm a Jersey girl. I hear Wendy Williams say it. I hear few, you know. That East them East Coast women is man, they hey, I could do just what you could do. What? Let's get it. Yeah, well, because Jersey girls were were built different, you know? We we get a lot of heat because of the fact that we like we're not New York. We're not. We're, no, 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 no. Like we get a little, we get a little bit of everything in us. We got some New Yorkers, some Philly, some DC. Like we got it all mixed in there. Uh, but we're also wow. the type. Of, we're not going to back down. That's why a lot of a lot of really good athletes come through Jersey and good big name like rappers like Queen Latifah. Like people over the years that have come through yeah. Jersey that we can claim um, they fully grew up in Jersey that had that that like extra backbone and like oomph where we're not going to back down from things. So it's yeah. crazy. One of, that's a big part one of, of like, my one of my favorite singers. 
Whitney Houston. Some of the great Jersey girl. We produce a lot of great talent. <laughs> shout out to the queen, Queen Latifah. Yes. Shout out, yes. shout out. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny. You, you're so competitive. Then it's, it's interesting with that competitive nature. How did you pick soccer over the other sports? Right. Oh, because I was much better at soccer. So I was leading goal scorer, leading assists. Soccer was the sport that was uh, that came easy to me. Um, in that sense, mm. that was like easier, I should say. It was a sport that I had a lot more opportunity in also. You know, like I mentioned, I played with the on the state team. So that's the top players of everybody in the state, the regional team. That's leading up to the, I never made the national team, but that's what I was working towards, you know? So a lot of players, mm-hmm. even that still play to this day in the NWSL and the MLS, I grew up playing with. So um, mm. when opportunities came in the recruiting process, I was getting recruited for 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 basketball also, but I had way more offers and opportunities than soccer. And I didn't come from a family. We were very close, but we weren't we weren't rich. We needed a scholarship. There were four of us going, you know, mm-hmm. going through the process. And I, you know, my parents could not afford to pay for us to go to college, you know, especially with us right. being so close in age that three of us were in college at the same time. It's not cheap. So um because of that, I knew that I needed a scholarship, but also I knew that I wanted to pl- go somewhere I could play. You know, I didn't want to go somewhere I could just sit for, I would sit for four years. And soccer definitely gave me the biggest opportunity as I was getting recruited by schools like UConn and Georgetown and LaSalle and, you know, bigger name schools that I knew that that was the direction I had to go. So, yeah, as a competitor, I was definitely not picking a sport that I was not as talented in because I wanted yeah. to be somewhere where I was successful and, I was the player that it's growing up, people were like, watch out for Renee. It wasn't even like, it was watch out for number three. And then as I got older, watch out for Renee, guard Renee, get Renee. So I just loved the <laughs> excitement around it and, you know, being able to be a part Clearly, of something. Clearly that things. is the case. Yeah. yeah. Clearly that is the case because <laughs> you're, you're, I mean, you went to Pennington Prep High School, played okay. soccer there. Hey, 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 let me, let me, let me, let me, let me just run off some of these Amazing accomplishments. From 2006 to 2009, you won the Prep A State Championship. AG, not one year, but every year. Every year. In 2018, your team had 18 wins. Get this, zero losses. Number one in the nation. And you personally, you were all prep first team three years running. Tell us about those experiences and how crazy was that high school run for you? And did you pay a penalty specifically for their soccer program or was it just the neighborhood school? Okay, so there was a prep school. So, no, it was we had players that and it was a boarding school, too. So um, we did have players that weren't just local. And obviously, as a prep school, they don't openly call it recruiting, but there's a level of recruitment there. Um, Mm -hmm. But. Being a part of Pennington, and you really did your research, I love it. Being a part of Pennington's success with soccer, my older sisters, who are three years older than me, they're twins, were actually part of like the change for the for the team. Where like when they mm. started to when they when they graduated, the team really took off. So then when I was coming in, it was like a no-brainer that that was a school I was gonna go to and everything. Um and then my yeah. group took it the next step. As you talk about that 2018, that was undefeated and ranked number one in the country. 
um, didn't lose a single game and won all, all of the titles. We just won whatever we could. Um, but just being in that, being in that environment really helped mold me because it was the first time I was outside. You talk about the neighborhood kids. That was the first time I was really getting exposed to players outside of my neighborhood. So as I mm. grew, my bubble grew, you know, I went from rec soccer when I was like six, seven years old and playing with just Ewing Township players to then travel soccer, to then the state team and regional team and high school team where I was now playing with some of the best players in the country, you know? So mm. as a high schooler to get that, and as you guys know, high school sports are not always competitive. You know, there's a lot yeah. of high school teams out here where they they have players on the field that can't walk and chew gum. And so for my yeah. team to have practices and games where it was next, we're playing against players that are going on to play on the national team professionally, play at UNC and Duke and all these big-name schools, and that's every wow. day, you know? So it wow. was... Um, it was just next level for sure. And there's there's basketball programs that it reminds me of too, but it mirrored that. We're like, we were a top team in the country where we were getting the best players that were four or five-star recruits coming out of high school. So that just, for me, mm. raised my bar that I was someone that was now, you know, able to see what else is out there. You know, outside of my right. own neighborhood, outside of my own friends and my township, I'm playing against players from the area that are better than me, older than me, faster than me. How do I evolve and adjust to be able to keep up with that? And then, like you said, eventually I did. You know, I got to the point where I was the leading goal scorer, you know, leading the team, getting a lot of first-team accolades, um, things like that, that player of the year, whatever it may have been, um, that I was able to now say, I'm I'm not just on this team. I'm one, of the, I'm one of the best players on this team, you know? So it was a really big challenge that as a high schooler, um, helped so much with just me taking that next step, but not even just in soccer, but just in life to kind of know right. what else is out there. <clears throat> Renee, did you have any idols that you looked up to while you were at Pennington pro idols that was already on the, on the pro circuit? And you was like, man, I want to do what she doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy because soccer has, has gotten to a spot now that it wasn't fully in when I was growing up, especially mm -hmm. as a black girl. Um, so yeah. I, of course I looked up to players like Mia Hamm and Brandi Chastain and, um, you know, those types of women that were on that like 1996 U.S. women's national team and winning gold medals. But yeah. I, I never fully had the representation that I do now. You know, there was Brianna Scurry, who was a goalkeeper. You know, I cannot, there weren't many black women soccer players. So I didn't even mm. have, even for me, I wanted to play pro soccer, but I didn't know it was possible. I didn't know I could get there. Um, it's something wow. I was saying, but I didn't know I could actually do. So I think even now as an adult, I can openly and honestly admit, no, I didn't have enough. And I and I wonder mm. how much that would have changed if I did. A lot of my idols were like my two older sisters or teen, you know, people that were around me that were better than me, that were forcing me to raise my level. But I didn't even mm -hmm. have those college or professional idols um, the same way I did like Allen Iverson in basketball. You know, that was someone mm -hmm. I wanted to like AI. I rocked number three. I, you know, I wanted to be that. I was not. Um, yeah. I was a different style player. But there wasn't that in soccer. So it's interesting. And I'm glad it kind of started to change more that there are more idols of different representation for the next generation of athletes. Absolutely. And really just Damn. in sports in general. I mean, sports. particularly mm -hmm. when it comes to women's sports. I mean, this is. It has been a huge movement, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, too. But I want to ask you, just keeping it where we're at, too. Um, so you, you, you finished Top Dog, AGC doing it, and now the recruiting process. How early did you commit, and, and how did you end up at LaSalle? Yeah, well, times were different back then. You know, recruiting wasn't as fast. Now 
kids are getting recruited in middle school, you know, between social media and just all the access that gives and even like being able to have more videos of yourself, like highlight videos and stuff. Um, the process is moving way faster. And I've been on the other side of the process when I was coaching at Lehigh and even saw it firsthand then. Uh, so I didn't Ooh. actually commit until my the fall of my senior year, but my parents Ooh. urged me and encouraged me not to rush. And I'm glad I didn't Ooh. because LaSalle was kind of like my in the middle of the pack school. Like it was a school that I wasn't actively as interested in. You know, it wasn't my top three and I just stayed the course. And as I was visiting, having conversations, watching teams play and following them, you know, I, I started to get a sense of which school best aligned with me. And LaSalle wasn't the most talented of the schools that I was looking at. But by the end of the time I was there, we were better yeah. than, than a lot of those schools that I was looking at. You know, that's just kind of the way that the the team grew. And so I saw coming in that LaSalle was a program that was middle of the A-10 conference, but had a big change of um, youth coming in and uh, just the talent that was coming in that I just thought, oh, I could be a part of this team. And again, just coming for playing time, enjoy my four years, not even knowing all that I would be able to accomplish. Um, but it was the school that really fit best for me and checked the most boxes. Not the school that a lot, like a lot of kids tend to do that was the flashiest. It wasn't. It's a small mm -hmm. school in, in Philadelphia. Um, but it had what I needed and it had what I wanted out of my own experience. So I'm interested in knowing those other top three or four schools that was interested in you, <laughs> but you wasn't interested in them. <laughs> um, no, when I was going through the process, UConn and Georgetown were definitely the two that I was actively very interested in. Uh, Fairfield, actually, out of Connecticut was another one that I was very interested in. Um, Drexel was another school that was a top. But I just I just remember um, in conversations with a lot of coaches, even outside of those schools specifically, you know, you just listen and you learn different things that you pick up on of like, mm. OK, the way they're talking or the what they're explaining or their vision maybe fits me or doesn't fit me. Um, and LaSalle was a school I went to their camps and was actively talking to the coaching staff. And just as I was working through the process, just kept finding myself um, naturally feeling like that school fit me. Did you take unofficial visits to the schools? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, you know, especially a school like LaSalle, which is an hour away from where I grew up, was able to go watch them play. You know, that's that's a lot of what I still try to stress for anybody in the recruiting process is go see what they're like. Go visit their campus. Go, go see what what is what's the food like around there? What's the vibe? What are what are they yep. saying at, at a game? What's their body language like? You know, what's the coach saying and doing? All those little things go a long way in terms of what you want. So by visiting and I would go see games, I would go just just follow and just keep up with what was going on. Um, that's where I was able to kind of separate the schools that I was most interested in, for sure. Because conversations are one thing. They could schmooze you. But why yeah. you're kind of off and they don't really know you're there or whatever. You kind of catch them um, in their natural state, I guess you can call it. Uh, then what are they like, you know? Well, speaking well, of well, smoozing, uh, though, your right. smoozing was uh, well worth it. I mean, <laughs> since I, since I'm throwing all these stats out there, let me let me give you some more because AG, I mean, oh. she's at LaSalle killing it. How about this? She had, you know, pretty okay time at LaSalle. You know, she was the 18 rookie of the year, you know, 2011. No, I, no, I should have been actually. I got I got robbed. I was on the all rookie you, team though. I got I'm robbed. giving you oh, but you made the all rookie team. You made the all rookie team. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I was not rookie of the year. I got robbed of that. But it's right, that's what I said. You were the 18 all rookie team. Yeah, 2011, yeah. you were, get this, the women's soccer all American, and you made an NCAA tournament appearance. Get this, every year. Now, she just told us <laughs> they weren't the best school, but this show got pretty good when somebody got there. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, what, what, what made those teams you played on so good yeah you know I it was really like lightning in a bottle you know it was a great mix of other teammates that were also just as competitive those under I I've always been kind of like an under the radar underdog in that sense you know looking Mm. back it's like wow you had all these great accolades but coming through it um was not someone that was actually given the credit I I thought I deserved you know to be honest Mm. Again, I'm a I'm a, a black girl in, in soccer um, that my yep. dad coached me in club and he didn't play soccer and I didn't have the same background or the same look as some other players. So LaSalle was actually a team full of those types of players where we were all like mm. players that weren't given the, you know, the the kudos and the accolades that we deserved. And we were undervalued in that sense and slipped through the recruiting process and players that got to college and were playing their best, not the opposite, not those players that peaked in high school. So it was just a really competitive group that was really mm. always out to prove something. And that hunger is is different when you're going into games and there's no pressure on you. But you know, I don't care who I'm going up against. It could be Rutgers, it could be University of Washington, whoever it is, we're gonna go in there and we're gonna we're gonna give you 90 minutes of hard fought soccer. That's mm-hmm. that was what that group was, you know. And so mm-hmm. for me, it, it, that's what aligned with me so well because as a competitor, I don't care who you are on the other side of the field. You're stepping in between the lines just like me. So you, it doesn't matter where where you're ranked, what your program looks like. Your campus might be ten times bigger than our small little campus of LaSalle. You might have better gear or whatever else, but it doesn't. It's not going to put the ball in the back of the net, you know. So mm-hmm. that was kind of that. Like we brought that edge that we were unafraid of anybody you know we were we didn't back down we were like some like they make movies about teams like this you know and that was us we were like that (laughs) that underdog team so i think for me that's something i've always strived to bring to any team or any organization or anything that i do that like we're not going to go in and just and do the bare minimum and we're definitely not going to go in and try to keep up with the joneses we're gonna we're gonna set the precedent you know we're gonna be the, the the group that's doing something different and LaSalle definitely embodied that as well. Hey, Renee, I want you to give uh, some of our younger listeners out here, uh, you know, some some confidence and some words of encouragement because I'm sure, like you said, as good as you was, you had to make the adjustment from a prep school to college. And just give give us our listeners a little taste of what that was like for you the, those those little minute adjustments you had to make from that prep school to, to make it and and be a, a real good college player yeah well I also had to make an adjustment from public school to private school you know I went to a public school that was Ewing is just wow. outside of Trenton and Princeton I depending on who I'm talking to we'll share which one um but it's just outside of Trenton, <laughs> Princeton but it's not it's not the wealthiest neighborhood. And I was going to a private school where some of my classmates had 
islands and helicopters and planes and multiple houses. I'm like, what is this? And then going into <laughs> college where it's like, ah, oh, what is this? You know, it, it's an adjustment when you move from one environment to the next. So regardless yeah. of what that adjustment is, that's where you have to just be your authentic self in the sense that you be respectful, you learn, you listen, you, you put in the work, you put in the time. Everywhere that I went, that first year was good, but the second year was way better, you know? And that's mm. something where you've got to understand it's not, it might not happen right away. You know, I went into Pennington, for example, the first year, I think I had four goals or something. And then by the end of that, I was the leading goal scorer on the team that was starting. That was all, you know, player of the year and everything. Same thing in at LaSalle. I mean, I had 12 goals my first year, but um, every year got better and you've got to continue raising the bar. So don't mm. go into it with expectations that it's just going to happen because you showed up. That's not enough. Yeah. Everybody's showing up. You have to work for it. You've got to work for it every day. And the, comp- the, the competition, as much as I'm a competitor, is really not with everybody else. It's with yourself. You know, I've always been competitive with other people because my bar is so high that I want more Mm. for myself. So I want to be the best at everything I'm doing. That's that motivation that you have to have that, like, regardless of which environment you're in, regardless of what's going on around you, you're going to focus on what you can control and you're going to focus on being your best self. And then that's where the chips fall where they may. And that's what changed in my career. I wasn't focused on what I wasn't getting. I was focused on what I had. Okay, you, you don't you snub me for rookie of the year, for example. That's fine. I'm gonna go be an all American next year. I come in, I'm an all American. Now what? You know, like I'm gonna show. I'm I'm that motivation of like proving people wrong and trying to be better each each year, each day. Honestly, is what keeps you going to be successful. So you know, through the setbacks, because it was not always easy. Through the setbacks, through the changes, through the challenges, you now know that you'll be able to if you have the right perspective approach it all the right way and get through it one way or the other you hear that our younger listeners out there she said when it gets tough don't 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 duck tail and run you must up your strength and you run through that brick wall and you get through it is there a companion that goes along with that though because you can be a competitor but what what was what is the what is that thing that push you beyond the level of competition for example like when i hear you talk I go like, man, Renee is sharp. Renee is on it. Renee is serious about her business. I'm saying, where where did you get that from to add to that competitive nature Mm. that you got? Yeah, yeah. No, I I think I'm built a little different. I'm wired a little different um, because my competitiveness is like with everything. Um, But I I always Mm. said that like I hate losing more than I like winning. You know, I want to win just as much as I want to breathe. And I think not everybody has that motivation. And I think for me, the desire to be better started because nothing was handed to me. Look, I'm not going to act like I grew up in a, in a broken household and anything like that. I had two loving, I have two loving parents that are married that have, have been married for this July will be 36 years. Um, excuse me. Let me not. Congratulations. Years. Um, been married for 35 years this, this July. They always had food on the table. We always had a roof over our head, but nothing was given to me. They forced mm. me to have to fight for everything I wanted, you know, and I've always found ways to do that. And like I said, as a kid, I remember days that I had a bad game. I'd go grab it. didn't even have to be cones. I'll grab a shoe, whatever it is. I'll make my own cones. I'm going to go out and work on some stuff. I'm going to do some dribbling. I'm going to throw the ball up in the air to myself and work on my first touch. Like I was and always have been a junkie 
for just getting better. Mm. And not everybody wow. has that drive. So if like for me, what I've always learned and what my parents taught me is you need to be 10 times better than everybody else. And even in my career to this day, that's why I don't, I struggle with doing just one thing because that to me is complacency. I want to be doing mm. multiple things. I'm going to be continuing to find ways that you can't overlook me. You can't, you can't um, disrespect what I bring to the table. And so I mm. think that's motivation is what's needed for more people and understand that life is never going to be easy. And like I said, it's not enough to just show up. You've got to continue to find ways to grind for what you want and to make it happen. So for me, it's being articulate and educated and informed and balanced and versatile that I'm going to be able to step into any environment and figure out a way to make it work, you know? So mm. I like that. Can you give us those four things again? You just said for our, for our, particularly for our yes. young listeners, give us uh, those four okay. things uh, again. Be articulate, mm -hmm. educated. Yes. Um, what else did I say? Versatile. Versatile and balanced. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Right there. Heavy, heavy, <laughs> heavy right there. I mean, I just want to let you know, first of all, you inspiring me. And I know I got some years on you. So you are, you got me motivated sitting over here. Uh, but what we want to do with you right now, AJ and I, we got this thing called Halftime. And what we're going to do is we're going to throw some quick hitters at you. And we just want you to fire these things off. So first question for you who are the top players, and give me three, that you were influenced by as a young athlete? Allen Iverson, Teresa Witherspoon, and uh, me, uh, me and him. Mm. Mm. Love it, love it, love it. A couple of your favorite interviews you have done. Always get this question. I never know the answer. Um, <laughs> Oh, I would say one of my favorites actually is uh, definitely Natasha Cloud from the Mystics because she's such a high energy person. She's from out of she's from out of Philly, so we have a lot of overlapping uh, connections. But she's just such a high energy person, and it's just like genuine. And mm -hmm. as a media person, as a reporter, you don't always get that. You get a lot of scripted answers. So she definitely, I would say, is one of my favorites for the sake of like it. Just, it just was natural. It just felt a lot easier. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna stick with her. Let's go with her. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. The three toughest. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy, Spitty here from DGB, AKA Dirty Glove Bastards off the porch podcast. Now, if you're a fan of artist interviews, then make sure to check out and subscribe to off the porch, a show that interviews everybody from the dopest up and coming artists, your favorite OGs and legends, street comedians, directors, and other influential people from the culture. And it's brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. Players you played against in college. Oh, um, Morgan O'Brien. She actually, I don't think she plays with the women's national team anymore. Um, from UVA, I played against um, Becca, uh, what was her last name? Weiner, what's her last, no, not Weiner, Becca, it's her last name. Oh my gosh. I had this one. Oh, hmm. I can't think of her last name for the life of me now, but she went to university of Richmond and we played against each other. Um, and she actually is one that got rookie of the year. So we were all four years against each other in the conference. And then, um, so she was tough for a different reason. And then I would say my friend Colleen Williams actually, cause she also was in our conference. So we had to play her a lot and she was, she was a year older than me. 
And she was another one that was getting a lot, like we were competing for a lot of those scoring accolades and things. Um, and she, whenever we played each other, it was our teams, it was a fight. Dayton versus LaSalle was a fight. So I would say those three for sure. Catch you. All right, check this one out. Which broadcasters do you look up to? And I was going to say model your style after, but you're a Jersey girl. You ain't modeling your style after nobody. <laughs> so now I'm going to just break it down. Which broadcasters do you look up to, male or female? Yeah, because I'm not, I pull, no, I do pull things from everybody. So I do like Carrie Champion. Of course, she was one of the ones that when I was first getting started in broadcasting, she was still a first take at the time. So I just remember being mm -hmm. like, I want to be like that. Um, David Aldridge, who's actually a good friend of mine, is mm -hmm. someone that I definitely look up to. And I love the versatility that Doris Burke brings. Because she actually oh, yeah. won her, there's a few, there's a few, her Lisa Salters that showed me that, like, I can, I can too also cover multiple sports or multiple levels, college pro. Um, mm. So, yeah, for different reasons, I would say those are some of the ones. You better watch out Maybe. for Doors. Doors might try to try to suit it up on you and say, let's hit the court. <laughs> doors, Doors don't be playing. Right. And uh, <laughs> I got one final quick hitter for you. What is in Renee's Washington mp3 player right now what you <laughs> listening to um well there's some new music that just came out i'm a big beyonce fan so all right definitely beyonce definitely. oh yeah who else you rocking um i like drake and of course he just drops honestly never mind um so i've been learning them those songs and i'm an old school like classic music so i like my like r&b like 90s 80s types of music that uh, you can't yeah. say that and don't give us no names you go if you're going yeah. back in the 90s you're going to have to throw some names out there at us. that's our era baby yeah, if you're going to do that you're going to bring it back home come on with it look i yeah. like we talk about whitney i i love me some nice old, like classic timeless music that never gets old i can listen to it any time of day it's a vibe it's a vibe like it's yeah so that's well, give, me, give me give me one name though give me give me give me one, one name one yeah if you got one classic 90s like if i had to pick one um yes. it depends on the you know it depends on what we're going for are we going for like a like if we're going old school, we going like a new edition boys to men type of slowing it down. Are we going more right, like right early Mariah Carey? Are we going <laughs> a little faster here with like you know? Yeah, tall. Like I don't know where we're going, what direction we're going here, but um, yeah, no, all of it. Honestly, I I grew up on that music. My parents' music was also a big thing in our house. You know, the best cookouts and get-togethers and holidays, there's music playing in the background, whether it's Temptations Christmas album, like whatever it is, you know, we were we were listening to it. As you can you imagine growing up in, in their household? <laughs> they waking up in the morning to see who's gonna be first downstairs. I mean can you right. you know, you know what I'm saying? Who was first? I mean is is one is one piece is one piece of bacon left, who gonna get it? Well <laughs> Let's go. Who armed long enough? Who closest That's to the right. stove? That's right. That's right. I'm not gonna lie. I it's it's funny because I always get asked questions about like role models and inspiration and who helped me get to where I am today. And my family is very close. My like my immediate family and my parents, my siblings, we are very close. And we were like, it's so cheesy, but we were like movie nights, game nights, whatever. Like we just baking things, whatever it was. 
swimming, like racing yeah. in the pool. We were just always together. And like the family that if one of us is playing, you're going to see all of us. We're all there. We're all supporting. And that still is to this day. I see them all the time, fortunately. Um, and yeah, so we like we compete about everything, whether it's a karaoke, singing battle, whether we're dancing, like whatever it is, we are just always right. having fun together. And that's family time is like, especially with social media, I feel like we don't see that as much. You know, mm, a lot of people are that. just growing up, growing up on social yep. media. I'm feeling that big time. Well, I want to thank you for doing halftime with us. And yes. I want to I want to move into this um, because you had, again, an impeccable high school, college sports career in general. But um, you made the decision to go right away for your master's. Did you consider playing pro at all? Yeah, I mean, it was hard. It was hard. I actually was playing pro um, after, like, the senior year of college. So for women's soccer, it starts in, like, March, February, March. So as I was finishing mm. up undergrad, I was also working through preseason and everything with Sky Blue was the team at the time that's now Gotham FC. Um, and it, it just wasn't for me. You know, I had gotten to a point where I fully recognized that and felt like I had gotten all I could out of my playing career. Of course, there were other mm. factors. I had been dealing with injuries. I had been dealing with politics. I was just mentally tired and mentally mm. uh, needed a change. And I wonder how much would have been different had I not been at that point. Like physically, I felt like I could keep playing, but mentally I didn't. And so for my own well-being and mental health, it just was time to make a change. And so I knew as I was going through the NWSL preseason, now granted in 2014 compared to now, women's pro soccer was much further behind. It's definitely advanced now. And I, I think that may have also, or I know that was also a factor because I was looking at my livelihood as an adult, what was possible, mm -hmm. what made most sense for me financially, logistically. And so um, just weighing things, it just felt like playing was going to be more of a con than a pro. So mm. I was starting to make that transition and knowing that I already, I already knew I had an opportunity to coach college soccer. Lehigh, the coaches had already told me, even if I was playing, they would let me go play and then coach once the season was over because it's not, it's not the NBA. Right. It's not year, a year round commitment. Um, okay. Especially then. So I would have been done in time to come and, and still be able to coach and still get my master's and still work through that. But I just felt like it was time to fully make that adjustment. And I was also at that time starting to realize that I wanted to be a sports reporter. So I was also mm. actively trying to pursue my master's and, and get that, but also pursue a career. And so I just felt like it was time. It was time to make that leap. It was time to make that move into just something that was going to help me out long term and getting my career going. Now, you got your undergrad in? Public relations. Public relations. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I love it. And mm -hmm. your master's is in? Educational leadership. Mm. Which is, it's crazy because um, when I first started out of college, I was like, I'm not actually doing anything in my, for my degrees. But like Planted Not Buried is literally PR and educational leadership is like a big part of what I'm doing within that. So it's just interesting yep. the way God moves you and you don't really understand. Like, I'm like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't major in what I'm doing. I did though. I just, I had to go create that. It, it was, it was something I created outside of my career. I'm also in the process of, and I've been saying this for a while now, but it's actually going to get done soon publishing my first book. A lot of the things that I studied actually align with what I'm doing outside of reporting as well. So it's just mm. interesting the way that like what you want 
looks different than what it will actually be. You know, like what you imagine things are going to look like, the reality of it is going to look different, but you'll still be doing some of those same things um, in a better way, honestly. So how did you break into the broadcast business? Oof. Um, So when I was at Lehigh, I started telling, even the coaches knew that I didn't want to continue coaching I was, I was always a good coach, but it wasn't something I was passionate about. You know, I coached right. youth soccer for many years, even after, actually up until last year, I was coaching youth soccer on the side. Um, and so I knew that I wanted to, I wanted to do something that I was more passionate about. And so they, through the Lehigh Athletics Department, um, just got me involved with helping with the Lehigh media team. Uh, pe- you know, the, the group that's covering the all the sports and out at games and the website and everything that you see for every college team. I was doing all Mm -hmm. that. And I was learning. I just started Mm -hmm. reaching out outside of Lehigh. I got into freelance writing um, for this unpaid role where I was just writing and covering uh, big five basketball. You know, I was covering all things Philly basketball and writing articles about it. So I just started reaching out and applying. I applied to every single job possible. Um, anything that was in the industry, I was just applying and just getting reps and learning and shadowing people and reaching out to people. I took this like certificate program, um, Mm. with uh, sports media worldwide, which was a group that a company that just has these like highly intensive, engaging certificate programs. And I did one of those for sports media. And that also just helped to open my eyes to a lot of things and network. So I just took advantage of anything that was at my fingertips that I could do. You know, I changed my social media. I created a YouTube channel. I created a website, like just actively started with what I had, just worked with what I had. And then from there, I got my first internship, um, which I actually Mm. took in place of the full-time job I was offered to coach D1 soccer as a a lead assistant coach for an internship um, and took that leap of faith and it paid off. And that internship led to my first job and then just continued growing and learning from there. I'm loving that. Wow. Loving that. Obviously, we know you being a black woman. How has social media changed the way journalists can get noticed now? Because, you know, obviously ESPN is huge, but you mentioned her earlier, Carrie Champion. She's she's doing amazing work outside of, you know, you know, we call them the big stores. Uh, do you think the social media channels have made it harder? or provided more opportunities now for people to get content out? I think it's a blessing and a curse, to be honest, um, because I mm. do I do see where we we live in a world where people are just looking for trends, literally. Um, and so yep. right now, like influencers, for example, are, are it's, it's a trending thing of if I want to grow my following, I'm going to bring in somebody that has X amount of followers because they have a large audience and now their audience is going to be a fan of us, you know? And so... I it's made it even that much more challenging that like I know personally I've been trying to grow my own social media presence for that exact reason you know people are getting jobs not based on experience anymore not even based on who they know based on their following they're getting hired they're getting booked for events they're getting flown out for speaking engagements and red carpet opportunities and things like that simply because they have you know however many followers so I think that's the hard part of it because there are a lot of people like myself, I know over the years I was told, you just need experience. You got to have three to five years of this and whatever else. And now I'm seeing college, you know, college uh, aged and, and older that are getting jobs simply because they are an influencer. 
you know? So I think from that side, it's hard. But on the other side, if used correctly, you too can take advantage of that too. Because people are looking for and when hiring somebody that can hold an audience, keep them engaged, interact with them. And that's, that's the job. Whether you're yeah. on air, whether you're on their social media page, whatever it is, if you can create and grow an audience and in, interact and engage with them in a, in a powerful way, that is what this industry is all about. So for that side, I think it is a blessing that you now can reach so many more people. Like we connected, you know, there's so many more people you can connect with through social media that would not have happened if we weren't in these virtual spaces. So I think from the networking stance and the relationships and the reach, I honestly know people all over the world. I've never met them in person, like you guys. Never met them in person, but I've had conversations with them. I feel like we go way back. If they were in town, mm-hmm. I'd them to the cookout. But we've never met mm-hmm. face to face. But because of social right. media, there's someone I can turn to, whether it's just to have a chat or even, hey, I need a letter of recommendation or, you know, here's a job opening. I think you'd be great for this. Like those types of mm-hmm. people that you now have in your in your circle, in your village that you've literally never seen in person. So I think there's a good and a bad. You know what, Renee, one thing you said about the trends, because trends, I, I just don't, I never was into trends or like the trends or none of that. I was straight up authentic, real, you know, um, just everything about, that's the one thing I don't like about social media. And they try to mm-hmm. flaunt it like it's for real. Be like, I really want to tell people, dude, you ain't got all them damn followers. You don't even know half of them people. They don't even, come on, man. Stop lying. Y'all buying followers, bro. I get people coming through my DMs. Hey, you want to up your following page? No, I don't. Yeah, I, I need real followers, though, that know me, that bought stuff off my website, that can actually text me, can send me a DM and say, hey, man, how your mom doing? Them real followers. All that other trend stuff out there, I need this to get to this level. No, if you stay true and authentic, like you say, and put in the work, those it, it, it will gradually go and you will get those, you know, you'll get in front of all that, the, 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 the new press. I mean, just think about it. Me and William Gates was in a movie that was done 27 years ago. Me and William get free press all the time. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have to we don't have to try to uh, show that we still relevant on her. No, we just living our regular well, Will, lives. Will, Will Gates want one of them NIL deals. Can I get an NIL deal? That's what Will Gates want. Can we, is there a way that those of us that missed out can kind of back that? That's right. That's right. Do you know what I would have told Tom Brokaw? Hey, Renee, Tom Brokaw, Tom Brokaw, ABC dude, flew down to my school at Arkansas State to even to to do an interview with me. I should have charged him $20,000. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I ain't doing no interview with you, man. Put $20,000 in my bank account, bro. You should have grandfathered everybody that got missed. We should have all got an automatic, like, couple thousand. Something. You know, yeah. Something little. Something. Hey, hey Renee, I want to throw this at you because I know we don't have you for, for much much longer. But I did want to touch on this because this, this is particularly with women's sports. ESPN, in particular, just did a great thing on Title IX just amazing amazing but then all the celebrations on Mm -hmm. the heel of that we have our government come in and undo 50 years of Roe versus Wade what is your take your thoughts on that yeah it is it's crazy it's crazy um I always say to people the only 
ones that are surprised by this are the ones that are affected by this every day. You know, like mm. when different things happen, I think back to even back to George Floyd in 2020 and, you know, all that we've been fighting for and Black Lives Matter and equal opportunity. I'm not the least bit surprised by it that there are, and somebody posted like, when is it going to happen? When is there going to be a time that white heterosexual men are affected by some of these massive decisions that are being made? But as a black right. woman, I'm used to these decisions not being in our favor. I'm used to, unfortunately, being the one that's not looked out for, not protected. And to have Roe versus Wade overturned 50 years is not that long. You know, that's that's many people have lived to see that and have now lived to see this. Um, but I think it just is a reminder that we have a lot more work to do. And I think everyone we're given those like slap in the face moments that our government, our world has more work to be done, that we need to continue voting. That you can't just sit back and, and watch. You have to actively make sure that you're doing your part, whether it's local election or national elections, to do your part. Um, but then also paying attention and keeping up to date with what's going on. Because if you if you aren't paying attention to history, that's when history can repeat itself. So yep. Roe versus Wade, and I just heard in Pennsylvania, they're talking about um, possibly also moving to having abortion be Ill illegal as well. And they're moving in the same direction because it's now on the, after it was decided on the federal level, it now has to be decided on the state level. Mm -hmm. So it's still not over. But I just it's terrible to see the fact that we always take a half step forward and 20 steps back. You know, here we are finally excited to be celebrating you know, 50 years of Title IX and women's women getting equal opportunities and then turn around and then say, oh, but you can't choose what you want to do with your body. You might get some equal opportunities in sports, but you can't choose what you want to do with your body. And I, I it's it's just painful. It's painful. That's what I hate, Renee, that that, that the government, you you going, like you said, you you made two steps forward. Now you're going six steps back. You're trying yeah. to tell a black woman, a black woman, what to do with her body. I say, man, listen, I tell the government and, and all of the Supreme Court justices, the only person that can tell a black woman what to do with her body is a black mama. <laughs> That's it. Not no black man, not no white man, not no, only a black mama. <laughs> and and the daughter ain't gonna even like that hearing it from the mama, but she know best. Yeah, and what, what frustrates me the most about all this is the fact that with all that's going on in our country, that's the pressing matter that has to be focused on. How many how many school shootings have we seen? Grocery store shootings, school shootings have we seen in the last months alone? Absolutely. So all Absolutely. these things that are going on, that's what I think. That's what eats me the most. They our Supreme Court found it so pressing to reverse Roe versus Wade, whereas we have dozens, hundreds of kids of people in our country getting gunned down because they yep. showed up to school that day. You know, that, that and then there's many more issues that are that are at play around our country. You know, poverty, hunger, coming out of the pandemic, finance, finances. Look at the fact that we are literally in the prices of every, everything is skyrocketing. But that yep. doesn't need to be adjusted. What needs to be adjusted is what women are doing with their bodies. So that's why I think I'm the most thrown of like, where did this even come from? Who who first proposed this and said, you know what, forget everything else that's going on in the world. That's fine. I just I just heard news. There was a whole there were like 46 um, immigrants that were just found dead in a truck. They were trying to yeah. escape and flee. And they were in Texas trying to get into, I guess, into the country, found dead right. in, in, a, in a truck. Yeah. What about right. the issues around around the fact that people still aren't safe in their own backyards? That they're trying to, they have to go to that length just to find freedom, just to find better opportunities, just to find a better spot to raise their families. That they're in the back of a truck 
to look for a better life. But the problem is the abortion. Right. I don't, yeah, that's that's also my biggest um, frustration around it all. There are so many other things that should be getting fought for gun control. So many other things that should be getting fought for equal opportunity, justice, police reform, you know, that we're going to just bypass that and jump to pick on the women like we always do. Your words, I mean, they're echoing so much of what we're hearing today. And one, I just want to tell you, AJ and I, we, we are extremely excited and proud of you. I know you probably heard this a million times. <laughs> um, you are changing the game. I mean, um, not only did you change the game in soccer, but became a really a, a, a living legend, a hero in the field, being one of the, you know, the very few African-American women's to inspire other young soccer girls to live out their soccer dreams, but also, you know, even being in the media now. I mean, you're still fighting for pay, equality. Mm-hmm. What what's what's your take on just equal pay, the equality? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, um, even that is something that is exhausting. That's a constant fight. Um, you look at the fact that there aren't as many black women in these spaces, um, not even just on air, but also producing mm-hmm. and editing and shooting, you know? So um, equal pay starts with equal opportunity. We're not even getting mm-hmm. hired for these roles. I think that's one of the more frustrating things that I've seen. And it's not just about me. I see plenty of talented, dark-skinned Black women or plenty of talented Black women in general that are not getting these opportunities. And when you turn on your TV and you don't see that, that's frustrating. What is What message is that sending? And then on top of that, you're turning around and not getting the equal pay that is deserved because of what? Because of your gender? You know, right. it just, it's, these are the reasons why, like, I know my fight is important and the days get hard and there definitely are times that I know even personally, I'm like, am I doing this? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I in the right spot? But, you know, there are so many like myself, men and women that are fighting for equality across the board because there, there seems to still be the, or there definitely is still the ignorant, misogynistic mindsets. There's a lot of the, um, a lot of gaps that need to be addressed. So I always say like, okay, we all know they exist. Let's stop talking about the fact they exist. Let's actually talk about making them change. You know, let's actually include women. Let's actually include diversity. Like I said, black women, especially like, yes, there are more women in sports, but how many of them are black women? How many of them are 100% black women and not, no knock on anybody, but how many of them are dark skinned women or, you know, whatever there's, there needs to be more diversity across the board not just black women, Spanish women, you know, all the different backgrounds, but we have yeah. been um, seeing for so long. Now I feel like, like we talked about with um, just like Juneteenth and title nine and things like that. It's the one day you celebrate it, you post about it. And then the next day Roe versus Wade gets overturned. And then the next day we're not, you know, like there, it, we can't have it like that. It's gotta be consistent. And there's too much fluff of like, look at us, we're doing all the right things and not actual action to make long-term changes that will make a difference, unfortunately. I have another question and then my dog is going to ask his final question. Um, My question for you is, uh, I heard you sneak it in there, so I ain't going to let you let us go without you expounding on it. But talk about some of these other projects you got going on. And I did hear you say book. (laughs) <laughs> you kind of slid book in there. I, I caught it. So what you got going on? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of exactly as we've been talking about. There's a need for more. And I've always wanted to use my platform to help give back. So that's actually why I founded Plants Are Not Buried in December of 2020. And that's actually why I'm writing books. Actually, more than one. Um, but <laughs> just to be able to create something that's bigger than me, that's not me. You know, I, I think something I found is like my voice and my platform and my page is a one thing. But can we have, can I build something that's separate from me that I'm still behind, but that also can carry on a, a voice of its own that will still be impactful. So having books and having um, my own nonprofit and these different spaces that I'm working in just allows me to reach so many other people. And I, I'm not going to fully change everybody's perspective, but if I can help make a difference in some way, why not? So like right now I'm in the process of launching some self-help books, um, just kind of using my own experiences to be able to shine a light on different challenges and adversity and how to work through that. Um, eventually I'd like to tap into some other genres with book writing, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I just enjoy wearing the different many hats. We only get one life, you know, why, why be cookie cutter and stay in a box? And I've been told like, you right. doing so many things. Why not? Why not? I'm going to wake up, God willing, 40, 50, 60 years from now. And I don't want to have any regrets that, oh, I wish I had done more of this. or I wish I had tried this. I'm going to try it all. And if I enjoy things and I'm passionate about things like writing, I'm going to tap into that now. You know, while I, I don't have kids, I'm not married. Now's the time to do it. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. The goal is I've been saying this for a while now. They are done. It's just not as easy to publish books as it should be. Um, but, yeah, they are done. It's just now a matter of like getting them out there. They should be dropping on Amazon hopefully soon. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. Listen. Renee, I want to, before I ask my last question, I want to give you a chance to talk about your uh, nonprofit organization, uh, Planet Not Buried. Where did you come with that name from and what does what is the mission of your organization? Yeah, I had heard the concept of Planet Not Buried in a few different sermons. Like I remember Bishop T.D. Jakes was talking about it and Michael Todd and different people were talking about this idea that in life we often are planted where we feel like we've been rejected. We feel like we've been denied from that opportunity. But in reality, you haven't been buried. You have been planted. And like a seed in the ground, you're blossoming. You're learning. You're growing. So in this dark season where things don't make sense, to understand that there's something bigger than you that's growing. Um, and that mm. it takes a village within that. So Plants Are Not Buried is a nonprofit that's focused on providing that village. Resources, mm. networking, um, just other ambitious professionals and it's a wide variety of backgrounds. It's not just sports. You know, sports is a big part of it as well, but tapping into mental health and health and wellness and nutrition and domestic abuse and um, just different hats and different areas that people are struggling with. Because I kept finding so many people asking, where do I find this? How do I do mm -hmm. this? How do I go about this? And we don't have those answers. So Plan the Not Buried has a wide variety of things around um, virtual events. We actually have virtual events coming up as soon as the first week of July um, that we're doing that are just chances to come network and learn from other professionals. I've been tapping into connecting with other experts in their respective fields. And I'm not an expert at everything. So now bringing in somebody that works in fitness or bringing in someone that works in mental health that can talk about these things with, with whoever wants to um, be a part of it. Writing articles, having informative videos that people can watch, those like FAQ types of pieces, um, just mm -hmm. providing a lot that people can easily, whatever works, whatever you're looking for, it's one space that is a database of resources and opportunities for you to learn and grow through that dark season. So it's been incredible to see how it's grown. 
Um, I do actually have a great team of a mixture of interns and volunteers that work alongside me to help keep it going because I definitely cannot do it all by myself. But it's incredible to see since December 2020, the doors it's open, the job opportunities it's open, the networking, and even the relationships around the world that I have people in Uganda and Canada and all these different countries that are reaching out like, I want to be a part of this and I want to, you know, thank you or, you know, just appreciative in some way. So it's growing, literally growing every day more and more. Well, well, any any black women CEOs of their own companies, it, it, yes. it, here's a great nonprofit for you guys to uh, get to know and donate to, which is called Planet Not Bury, uh, founded by Renee Washington. And my last question for you, what is the next chapter? You didn't for you didn't foreseen it. There's a vision there, but it ain't happened. What is that chapter for Renee Washington? Yeah, yeah. And thank you for the plug. Also, I will say for anybody that's a business owner, we do partner with a lot of small businesses to help promote and highlight all the great things they're doing in their own respective communities. So definitely mm-hmm. reach out. Um, but for me, you know, it's crazy. I'm, I'm living a lot of the things that I set out to do. And it happened a lot faster than I expected. So it's time to raise the bar a little bit more, as you guys know me now too well. Um, yes. I want to be, my goal is to now be more of a consistent TV personality. You know, so I'm working with my team to get more opportunities, major networks. I do a lot of uh, speaking engagement. So doing more of that. I don't want to just be a sports reporter. I love sports. I love talking sports. But I think there's Mm -hmm. value in doing more and being able to use Mm. my platform to now open those other doors. So now maybe you want to read my book because I am Renee Washington, the sports reporter. Or you want to, you know, have me out to uh, speak at your school or your event. So the next goal that I'm really trying to solidify that I'm manifesting is the fact that I'm going to be a personality. I'm going to be booked and busy. I'm going to be all over the place. You're going to be like, what? She's here. Now she's here. Um, But also being booked and busy to make a positive impact. I'm the gold of my era. I've been a trending topic. I'm as fly as a feather. My pocket's macroscopic. See, with time, I get better. I'm always in the action, kid. No, I got it locked from Chicago where the toughest live. Concrete jungle earn my stripes on the pavement there. You make it here, then you can make it anywhere. No comparison. Your game is embarrassing. No one can touch me. I'm all but going there again. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha AG. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a seal fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha AG. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Hoop Dreams the Podcast, an Unlearning Network production. Written and produced by Arthur AG, Will Gates, Matt Hoffer, with audio engineering from Matt Savage. For more episodes, check us out at www.unlearningnetwork.com. Gotta be a dog to survive in this cold weather. Ice in my veins, no need for a warm sweater. I'm coming forward, all best believe I won't let up, yeah. Hey, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha AG. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha AG. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me.